the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We continue to celebrate the elevation of the Blessed Cross, finding the cross by St. Helena in the 4th century, and the return of the cross through the Emperor Heraclius in the 7th century. Two very beautiful events in the history of the church, though we celebrate them on the 14th of September, and that feast continues for seven days, which is kind of a normal thing for the feast of the church. So we celebrated for those seven days. Um, so I was reading through some of the materials I had on this, uh, on this feast, and one is from St. John Maximovich, our beloved saint from San Francisco and Shanghai who came here from Shanghai with 11 orphans. <laughs> he brought 11 orphans with him. Lived in a small little house in San Francisco. <laughs> Took care of 11 children. Amazing man. Very pious saint, very, very beautiful man. Walked the streets of San Francisco and helped the poor. Gave his shoes away, gave his clothes away. When he came back, the people that took care of him were always uh, bothered because every time he returned home, he came home with something less. They had to buy stuff for him, you know. <laughs> and every time his orphans, um, they were poor, very poor. And so when they uh, run out of when they run out of food, there's a beautiful icon. In fact, that icon back there, right above those little candles in the back, is an icon of the the suckling mother, the mother of God. Uh, uh, with Christ at her breast, they would go to that icon and pray, all of them. Admit the, and uh, all the orphans in St. John would go to the icon and pray within hours. Either food would come or money would come to buy food. <laughs> He's amazing, man. He, uh, I got so many stories about St. John, I love them all. So I'll tell them to you. Uh, he, anytime he heard gossip, he'd fall asleep. And when the gossip stopped, he'd wake up. One of his dear, beloved spiritual children wanted to know if he was uh, clairvoyant. In other words, could he read thoughts? And so they were in the car together, and he said silently, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Every time he said that, silently, St. John would cross himself. <laughs> You go through the Trisagian prayers. Every time you're supposed to cross yourself, St. John would cross himself. <laughs> he would wake up in the mornings, and he knew where to go. He'd go knock on people's doors, and they, would, they were praying that he would come and help them with money or prayers or whatever it might be. A very, very pious man. He's interned. His relics are uh, incorrupt. Well, he died in 1966. There's still flesh on his hands in the church of San Francisco. And many people write letters to him, to that church. They put it under his, under his uh, reliquary, and many times those prayers are answered. So write a letter to St. John. It's beautiful. He's an amazing, amazing man. So um, that's, I gave a lot of my homily right there, so... I have to cut some of my stuff out here. So here's uh, some of the comments that St. John makes on this great feast. He says, the power of the cross preserves those who venerate it. 
Likewise, by many other events in the Old Testament, the power of the cross was indicated. Moses, who held his arms raised in the form of a cross during the battle, gave victory to the Israelites over the Amalekites. Also, dividing the Red Sea by a blow of his rod, by transverse blow, uniting the waters again. Saved Israel from Pharaoh and drowned in the water while Israel crossed over on dry land to be preserved from the enemy. So the cross preserves us in battle, in distress, and defeats enemies. The power of the cross. You know, we do this so many times and just take it for granted. I do, so I'm guilty. We just do this. But every time it's done with faith, it brings to us a grace. Every time it's done with faith, it brings to you a grace. Grace of God. The grace of God comes to you. It's the power that defeats the enemy. It's what brings victory to the Christian. So, so many times we two things can happen. We get into kind of uh, superstitious habits that somehow this, this kind of works superstitiously. It only works through faith, see? Not through some kind of like, you know, there's uh, baseball players are the most superstitious people in the planet. You know, if they're on a hitting streak, they don't change their socks. The way they swing the bat before they get up, how they address the, the pitcher in the batter's box, how pitchers do all, it's so many, so many superstitions. That's not Christianity, right? We do this, we do this, we get this. It's faith that does it. It's faith in the power of Christ that does it, right? That's, that's our work. We don't want it to just become habit or superstition. We want it to become with faith. We bring that, and it defeats the enemy. So how many times do we have to cross ourselves to defeat our enemies? As many times as it takes, right? Sometimes it's one, right? Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's a hundred. But it will defeat the enemy. You know, God does this sometimes. He, he lets us gain victory quickly. You know, so we gain some confidence in him. But then there's other times where he, he makes us persevere over time to gain strength, to gain, to gain trust, to gain faith, to gain courage. See? So that, so we, but each time there is a victory. Right? So we, we, we do it as much as we need to do it until victory comes. Because we know Victory is in the cross. Did he not raise, was he not raised from the dead? Okay, so victory's in the cross, right? So we need to understand that. So we have to persevere sometimes and move forward in that way. St. John goes on. Through the laying on of his hands in the form of a cross on his grandsons, Jacob gave a blessing to his descendants, foretelling at the same time their future until the coming of the expectation of the nations. Blessing on your children. Blessing on your friends. With faith, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. So we need to do this a lot. 
Okay, we do it over our food. We should do it over our children. Do it over a task before a task, so that so that we get the grace of God to be given to them. What a beautiful thing that is. Okay, so remember that. Remember to do that. Use the cross as a blessing. In faith, grace will come. St. John continues, by the cross, the Son of God, having become man, accomplished our salvation. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the, on the cross. Having stretched out his hand upon the cross, the Savior with them, as it were, embraced the world. And by his blood shed on it, like a king with red ink, he signed the forgiveness of the human race. He forgave your sins. Lifted up upon the cross, he embraced the world and forgave the sins of humanity. Should we not be overwhelmed with gratitude? You know, in Israel, you could only be forgiven once a year. <laughs> And sometimes that didn't work. God's sacrifice allows us to be forgiven when we sin and repent. You know, we need to be so grateful for that and not take it for granted. We need to, we need to understand how powerful this act was and what a sacrifice it was for Christ to give himself for that. You know, uh, many of you have probably seen the movie The Passion. There's a, there's a scene in that movie that's very, very difficult to watch at times. It's when Christ was scourged, and he's being beaten, seriously beaten. I remember a thought I had while that scene was occurring. I said to myself, which one of those was mine? Which stripe did he take for me? because he was wounded for my sake, right? For your sake. Which stripe did he take for you? Which suffering did he take for you? Because he knew it. He knew your sins. He knew your suffering. He knew your struggle. He bore that all through his passion. Which one? You know, so we don't want to just take this for granted. We want to kind of, uh, how do you say, uh, Take what God did for us and be grateful, so grateful for it that it, it tells us to flee sin. We don't want to take for granted his redemptive acts. So it should encourage us to be more diligent, more focused on moving forward as good Christian people. Hmm. I'm saying that to me first. So. The cross of the Lord was the instrument by which he saved the world after the fall into sin. And through the cross he descended with the soul into hell, so as to raise up from it the souls were waiting for him. By the cross, Christ opened the doors of paradise, which had been closed after our first answers had been banished from it. He opened the gates of paradise so that when people pass this life to the next, they go to paradise, and we can commune with them. We're not separated from those that have gone before us. 
because of the Christ suffering on the cross, his death and resurrection. We all we, we participate in this earthly and heavenly church together. They're with us today. They're around that throne of God that we stand around. We're not separated because of this beautiful sacrifice of Christ from those who've gone before us to their rest. The saints, those loved ones of ours that have passed this life to the next. We should be so grateful that we can commune with them. You know, my father has been dead for, since 1987. And every day I remember. Every day I commune with him. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Why? Because Christ died and rose from the dead and opened the gates of paradise to us. Wow. The cross was sanctified by the body of Christ, which was nailed to it when he gave himself over to torments and death for the salvation of the world. And in itself, was then filled, itself was then filled with life-giving power. Life-giving power. Life-giving power. Use it. Use it with faith. This is, this is how we can negotiate in such a powerful way the Christian life. You know, we, we try to, we can do it with mental exercises, we can make strong convictions and resolutions, but when it comes down to that very moment of having to do what needs to be done, we need the power of God. The life-giving power of Christ. Simple. He didn't make it complicated, you know. <laughs> you don't have to go to the university to study for years and get a doctorate to know how to negotiate the Christian life, right? He gives us simple things. By the cross on Golgotha, the prince of this world was cast out and an end was put to his authority. The weapon by which he was crushed became the sign of Christ's victory to crush the authority of the enemy. You know why the authority of the enemy may have power over you? You know why? Because you give it to him. It's the only way he can get it. Because he has been defeated. And you can continue to defeat him. So it's our choice. We have a choice. We always come to those moments, right? I'll keep it simple, you know. Uh, one bowl of ice cream. That's a blessing. Two bowls of ice cream. Not so much. Right? See? Simple. So what, what authority am I uh, uh, assigning myself to? More seriously, when I come to a very serious temptation in my life, I have, the, I have the authority to banish that temptation. Or I have the choice to accept it. Right? So our, our efforts, when we come to those moments, we want to make the choice by the life-giving power of Christ, to defeat the temptation. It has no authority over you, right? Unless you let it. 
That actually should encourage you. You look discouraged. <laughs> Let it encourage you. You can say no, right? The most powerful spiritual word we have. No. Right? Say no. Make your yes yes and your no no. Okay. A uh, little bit more. One cannot enumerate all the separate examples of the manifestation of the power of the cross in various incidences. Invisibly and unceasingly, there gushes from it divine grace that saves the world. Invisibly and unceasingly gushes from it the divine grace that saves the world. What, what comes out of the cross? Divine grace. How does it come out? It gushes. Gushes out, pours all over us. We need to take advantage of this. Divine grace, uncreated divine energy of God comes to you, is given to you when we cross ourselves in faith, okay? when we kiss the cross, okay? when we venerate the cross. All these opportunities we have to receive this grace of God. When we are guarded by the cross, we oppose the enemy, not fearing its nets and barking. <laughs> the enemy has nets and barks. <laughs> we don't fear them, right? We don't fear those nets and barkings. You ever hear the enemy barking at you? Yes. Just as the flaming sword in the hands of the cherubim barred the entrance into paradise of old, so the cross now acts invisibly in the world guarding it from perdition. So the cross becomes a sword, a sword, a, a sword that defeats the enemies. We need to understand and see that, how important that is. And lastly, the sign of the Son of Man, that is the cross, will appear in the sky in order to proclaim the end of the present world and the coming of the eternal kingdom and the Son of God. Then all tribes of the earth shall weep because they love the present age and its lust. But all who endured the persecution for righteousness shall be called on the name of the Lord, shall rejoice and be glad. The cross then will save from eternal perdition all who conquered temptations by the cross, who crucified their flesh with its passions and lusts, who took up their cross and followed Christ. That's going, to be our that's going to be the final sign of victory for us. Our cross. We need to be, anticipate that, that moment, that coming of Christ, where all the world will be under his reign. Thanks be to God. So may we, beloved, bear the crosses given well to us so that we would be sanctified, we would be saved, we'd feel the life-giving power of Christ, and be filled with joy, now and forever. Amen.